You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, audacious and awesome audio audience of Autobots. <laughs> Good job, Brain, your weekly quiz show and off trivia podcast. This is episode 21, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your slightly but slamming sleepyhead sleuths. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. I'm Chris. Woo! And I'm going to start off the show with another one of our listener questions for us, and Robert Hamilton from Facebook asks, do you guys record in a specific place, like a studio, or are you sitting around a table in one of your houses? <laughs> yes. Yes. The answer yes is yes. <laughs> Both. Well, originally yeah. we started off thinking that we were going to need to rent a space to do the podcast in because acoustics and everything. And we actually were in the... Berkeley Jazz School. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I always liked the environment there because even though it didn't pick up on the recordings, there was music tinkling in through the walls from yeah. students practicing. It was, yeah, it's yeah. Very, a very cool venue. Felt very oh, yeah. highbrow. With the well, jazz. We'd, go in with our, yeah. we'd go in with our equipments and we'd be, so we'd be sitting in these rooms and these rooms would be full of musical instruments like their classrooms. So like pianos and string instruments and all kinds of drum sets and things like that. And we're just four losers sitting on <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. About, Well, no, that's the funny thing because they would come in and just be like, oh, well, okay, guys, have a good session, yeah. you know? Like, well, think we're going to jam up, yeah. you know? They must have thought we were some vocal jazz group oh, or yeah, something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we would be right. awesome. Like, we were better tones. singers. Yeah. But the then <laughs> one week we, we couldn't get it and we ended up at Colin's house. Yeah, and we've I think we've recorded by far the majority of the shows, yeah, mm-hmm. around, vast my, around my living room. Although yep. today, coincidentally, or not coincidentally, we are not there yeah. today we are at chris's yes yeah. colin's house comes with some cats yeah and yeah. chris's yes. house comes with some dogs so yeah. we get little animal accompaniment sometimes it's very right. nice all right so let's start off our show with our general trivia segment pop quiz hot shot and get your barnyard buzzers ready i am actually going to mash two trivia pursuit cards up together because i was unsatisfied with some of the questions so here we go blue wedge for geography and i don't know why it's in geography what classic dog name comes from the Latin word for faithful? Oh. Fido. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah, Fido. Fidelity. I like how you guys yeah. say yeah. that. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I was yeah. like, what? Mm-hmm. It's, like, in, it's yeah. in geography for those people who, like, get stuck on the geography wedge and just circle it over and over and over again. <laughs> Finally, they throw them a bone. <laughs> so, to, so to speak. <laughs> if you will. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is always death. <laughs> All right, pop culture pink wedge. In the film Superbad, what name uh-huh. does Fogel go by on ah. his fake ID? Everybody. McLovin. Yes. <laughs> Yellow wedge. Which has never been an American political party? Green, reform, socialist, voters, or Whig? Voters. I'll say yeah. voters. Very, very correct. Actually correct. That's <laughs> very extremely correct. correct. Yes. Uh, purple Wedge. What is the name of both a psychological test and a superhero in a 2009 movie? Uh, Rorschach. Oh, oh, oh. Correct. Uh, yeah. Which we probably yeah. associate Rorschach, with a- Rorschach being the ink blot test, and people yeah. don't know by name, oh, and then man. also from The Watchmen. Green Wedge. What does HTML stand for? Chris. Hypertext markup language. Yeah. Correct. All right, last question. A very interesting sports tidbit here. What substance did Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Doc Ellis claim he was under the influence of oh, yeah. when he threw a no-hitter in 1970? Huh. 
Uh, it's a very, very famously. Uh, he claimed to be under the influence of LSD. And is it true? Or it, false? It, it is true. I, well, you know, it's funny. So. I, well, he, I, I, so I just read actually a pretty. It was the anniversary of it, uh, some big milestone anniversary. I just read an article about it, and there are conflicting reports. That I mean, the way he told it originally, I guess, was it sounded like he dosed acid and went straight to the park. It sounds like it may have been several hours after he had taken it, but regardless, he had taken it. Okay. Yeah, he had, he had definitely taken LSD oh, okay. and went to the park. And, I mean, he tells stories about one time, you know, he was, like, talking to the ball between, you know, innings. Oh. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, great story, just in terms of weird story value. Why haven't they made that a movie? They are, actually. It's okay. funny you say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone, I think they had, someone has just optioned uh, yeah. to, to make a story about Doc Ellis. That yeah. is an amazing movie, I see. It. Like, the ball's talking to him. It's like... Yeah. Like you're gonna go oh, into the glove, yeah. okay? Yeah. <laughs> and did he get into trouble? No, I mean he. I mean I don't think this was something that came out until afterward, and not not to make light of it or that it wasn't a big deal, but it was it was a different time in baseball. Today, if that happened, you probably get in a fair amount of trouble. Yeah. So I actually wanted to mention something that we just did. Me and my fiance Regina and Tyler Hinman, former five-time crossword puzzle champion and former Good Job Brain guest host. Mm-hmm. So we actually. We all just went out with Tyler's girlfriend, Amy, was along for the ride as well and went to play. It's called Real Escape Game. And it is a it is a puzzle game that you actually you go to this venue that they've rented out and they time you and they give you a packet of puzzles and you try to solve oh, this I love those whole things. packet of puzzles um, you know in the time limit and there's a story wrapped around it and they, they, this was the second one that they had done here in America they're doing them in San Francisco uh, it's very popular in Japan and it's a Japanese company called Scrap that does it and so I wanted to say first of all it was a great time we were the only team there to actually solve the puzzle it was called Ooh, the, good job the the last will of Dr. Mad. It was great. It actually, everybody on our team got certain aspects that, you know, they got to have the insights like, oh, I get this. This is what this is, you know. But anyway, I bring this all up to say their next game, for those of you listeners who are in the Bay Area, is Real Escape Game Evangelion, which is based on the Japanese animation. So it's a series of puzzles that are themed around that animation. And it's going to be August uh, 25th and 26th, this is Saturday and a Sunday, at the J-Pop Summit Festival in Japantown. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are interested in doing this, good job, Brain seal of approval. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. Not receiving um, an endorsement. It is, Chris it just is, had a good time. I, I, I'm telling you, I mean, it is hard as hell. Like, we were the only team to do it, and we had a ringer. So, Absolutely. yeah. they. My understanding is they do kill the last place team, right? They, they, they are murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, consider <laughs> yourself yeah, yeah. warned. Doesn't match. <laughs> yeah. It's like Hunger Games. Yeah. yeah. Mental <laughs> games. <laughs> And let's get on with our show. So in a previous episode, we had one that was titled Animals Are Weird. (laughs) And since we focused more on the fauna, I thought maybe this episode we would focus on the flora. So this is a weird plants show. Plants are messed up. (laughs) Animals are weird and plants are messed up.
All right, well, I'll start it off here. Uh, I like going for the weird, kind of crazy things. I think our listeners expect that as well. So uh, I think we all do. We all do. We all do. I'm going to ask you guys here about two categories of plants here, and just let me know if you've heard of these. Are you guys are familiar with century plants? Yeah. You guys know what those are? Dana, I think you're telling us that you had one at your... At your... We had a whole row of them in front of my parents' house. What huge. is it? I am unfamiliar. Basically, they're like aloe plants, right? They look, Yeah, they look like really huge aloe plants, and they're spiky. And if you're a little kid, it's not fun to fall into them. That's my tip <laughs> No. <laughs> But one of their, they're called a century plant because it was believed that they bloom once every hundred years. Okay. And so I, we got mm. onto this topic talking about how it's such an unusual occurrence. Sometimes people don't even know that they bloom and it kind of catches them by surprise. They're like, what the heck is that? This yeah. plant that I've had for 30 years and has never changed it's all like of a sudden. a unicorn. Has, and it's it's a very giant huge protrusion. Stock. Yes. Oh, a yeah. huge oh, wow. stalk coming out of the plant. It's like, uh-oh, um, somebody's entering puberty. Right. Like, right. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 got to have a little talk with the plant. (laughs) That is uh, a type of century plant. And basically, it's the family of plants that are believed to bloom very, very (laughs) infrequently. And and most of them, it actually turns out, bloom two or three times per hundred years. Uh, But very, very But people's lifespans were so short that they really didn't. That's a great (laughs) point. That's a great point. And of course, you know, I mean, they vary in nature. It's like a stalk. The stalk comes out of it. It looks like an aloe plant. And it's, you know, a 20-foot stalk. And it's been described as either like a giant asparagus stalk or a tongue or a very phallic kind it's, of looking yeah. protuberance like. plant. Yes. It's kind of embarrassing. I know you're wondering what's happening to your body. You right now. <laughs> we have a special a film for you to watch in school. Yeah. <laughs> the, the boy plants watch one movie. The girl plants watch a different movie. <laughs> so that's one category. There's so uh, there's another category of plant. Are you guys familiar with what a carrion flower is? Does it smell like a dead body? It does. Oh, okay. There is a category category of plants and flowers called carrion. The way that these plants, part of their reproductive cycle is they they smell like death. They smell like mm. rotting flesh. So they attract mm. insects and things that, that feed on decaying flesh and then they're pollinated that way as opposed to mm. through bees. So they're tricking yeah. them. They are tricking them. That's yeah. right. So, and again, they have these giant kind of they look sort of fleshy, like meat, Ugh. and they smell they smell like rotting flesh. And they're supposed huh. to be just horrible, horrible, awful smell. And they attract animals like carrion beetles and sweat bees. I mean, <laughs> even like I, sweat bees. I don't want to. I don't want to be around sweat bees. Mm. <laughs> it sounds cool. It sounds like it'd be in like a witch's garden, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, and if you saw, it yeah. sounds like the gang that wasn't as good as the T birds. <laughs> oh man, sweat bees for life. Yeah. <laughs> so. I want to talk very quickly about a plant that is at the intersection of carrion flower and century plant. <laughs> nice. I want to talk about the Titan Arum, which is the giant corpse flower. And Ooh, I've seen pictures of those. Yeah, and they are freaky looking. Probably the, the prettiest thing about it is <laughs> Titan Arum, its name. Uh, it looks like something out of a, a dinosaur movie. So they're the largest flower head in the world. Can They can get up to 10 feet tall wow. regularly. Ooh. Regularly up to 10 feet tall. Uh, in the wild, they've been reported up to 20 feet tall. It only blooms up to maybe every 50, 60 years, sometimes mm. like that. There are only known to be about 140 of these giant corpse flowers worldwide. Wow. Yeah. And be, I mean, partly because they live so long and they're so giant, it takes a while to establish so and no one wants to be near them yeah. right well there actually is one in berkeley where we normally record at the berkeley botanical gardens uh so if you're anywhere in the bay area you, you can go visit it and they have a schedule they'll tell you when it's blooming it, it just bloomed a few years ago so it may be a while <laughs> um, 40 years so, <laughs> on my calendar so here's yeah. the thing. 50 years well so here's the thing it blooms you know two or three times every hundred years it's only open for a day or two and then it closes oh, again. So it's funny. It's like 
Come sniff the rotting flesh, dead flower now for one, for one day. And so they'll have huge crowds coming to check yeah. these things out. <laughs> just the final little tidbit about this, just to creep it. Again, I encourage you to go online and look at photos of giant corpse flower. It does not look real. They can heat up. They have a mechanism to heat up the inflorescence is what the central part of the plant is called. So I want you to imagine this thing blooms and starts heating up this giant fleshy <laughs> stalk that yeah. smells like rotting meat. Nice. It increases the spread of the odor is why it does that. So just a fantastically awful mm. plant. But because it is so hideous and awful, it now receives all kind of love from botanists around the world. So it's super cool. <laughs> it's just the rarity. It's you know, the you rarity. You want to witness yep. it. Yeah, the rarity of the plant, the rarity of how frequently it opens. Yeah, crazy. I, I have never seen one myself, so perhaps somebody out there Field is trip. Yeah. <laughs> lucky, lucky enough to have seen one. So I wonder why those uh, century plants bloom so rarely. Because yeah. usually flowers are you know, to pollinate and to kind of carry out the genetic material, right, but that just right. seems like it's so against nature well you know you actually you bring up a good point which is you know in reading it they made the point that the century plants most of them a lot of flowers bloom and then die and then it creates the cycle that way the, most of the century plants they don't die so it's one reason they can afford to not bloom that Conserving often energy. Right, they bloom and then they keep on living and they'll bloom again you know, decades hmm. later yeah well speaking of odor <laughs> and, <laughs> and and stinky things uh, i do want to share some some things from my childhood uh from my upbringing we we all know the durian fruit, oh, yes. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It is a weird head shape and head size, thorny. Yeah. Kind of spiky. Like it looks uh, like a pineapple. Like it does. It's spiky. Yeah. The, like a big green spiky. pineapple. Yeah. Yeah. It's very polarizing. Um, you, you, it's very common, too. You see it in a lot of <laughs> and uh, Asian it's supermarkets. It's an Asian fruit, right? I mean, I, yes. I had never seen it until I was traveling in Asia. Oh. Yeah. They mm-hmm. I'm sure you can get it now here. here. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it smells like rotting flesh mm-hmm. slash gasoline slash sulfur Slash a whole bunch of uh, feet, yeah, yeah. feet, yeah. wet socks. This is one of the things that Andrew Zimmern on Bizarre Foods is just like. This is the one thing that I just won't put in my mouth. I think it's disgusting, gross. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand the the pleasures of it at all. I, I grew up with it, and and I agree, it is not a very pleasant smell. It's very mm. pungent, but the fruit itself, after you crack open the thorny shell, the fruit itself tastes kind of like ice cream with a taste of gasoline sure but it's very creamy very very sweet high sugar content does, does the smell fade after yeah. it's been cut open or is it just nope okay. so, no you pretty much have to put up with the smell and, and get the food into your mouth physically. yeah and it's dead bodies yes but there is a very close cousin of durian called the jackfruit and mm-hmm. this is a story of jackfruit versus my mom. <laughs> okay. So the jackfruit, a little bit of background, it's kind of like a durian, but it's a lot larger. And it's a little bit flatter. It's about uh, two to three feet long. It's oblong. Mm-hmm. And it does have the same kind of porcupiney, thorny rind. Mm-hmm. And it is very, very heavy. It's like, I remember it was probably like 60 pounds, 60 to 80 pounds, really dense. Mm. So I don't know why, but my, you know, growing up, I was a kid, my mom came home and she was like, hey, I saw this at the market and I, and I bought it. <laughs> and I was like, what is it? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, I just know it's called a jackfruit. And I was like, oh no. And it, the rind smells like gasoline. It's 
it's not stinky, but it, it is unpleasant. Like durian, I would say, is, is odorous and stinky. Jackfruit just smells like bad chemicals. And the thing is, so we were sitting there staring at it. We're like, okay, so what do we do? How do we open it? it the rind was too tough for like a knife. And so we're like thinking, I was like, mm-hmm. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And this is, you know, this is back in the days when we had dial-up internet. And today, of course, I can just go on Google and be like, how do I? phone out. Yeah. yeah. Download phone. the Jackfruit yeah. mobile app. And yeah. Scan the QR code and the Jackfruit will open myself. So it was back in the day. It was in Asia. So I was like, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to dial up the modem and I'm going to find out. So I, I searched and searched and searched and through different languages. And I finally found one website that documents how you're supposed to open it. And this took me like hours to find this information. It's <laughs> right. totally different now. And it was really elaborate. First, you have to take like an old style cleaver mm-hmm. and you have to cover and bathe yourself in cooking oil. What? You have and to cover I'll, yourself in cooking your oil? Your hands, your arms. No. It sounds like a yes. prank. Did you find okay. this on a fetish site of some kind? <laughs> yeah. Your cleaver, everything, your Was salt. it by a man named Jack Fruit? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jack Fruit. Okay, some alien baby is going to pop out yeah. of this, this weird pot. Obviously. It's a fruit sack. Yeah. And so I, I told my mom, I was like, okay, this is, why, this is what the internet says. And my mom's like, oh, I don't know. Okay, well, let's do it. And so the reason why you have to oil it is because once you cleave open the rind and you bust it open, there is this disgusting, super white nets of like a latex sticky material. It's almost as if, you know, you imagine deep sea creatures like spit out when they're in fear. Okay. They spit out like this yeah, glue. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like really white Elmer's glue and it's slippery, but it's so sticky. And then anything it touches, it just... It's so sticky. And this is why you had to oil everything. Finally, we get to the fruit and the fruit is like large kernels. And I would say the texture is kind of like a pineapple, but a little bit dried. Mm-hmm. And it's stringy and it's, it's fleshy and you eat it. And the taste of it was phenomenal because it tastes exactly like juicy fruit gum the flavor of juicy fruit gum and this you know i was i was up all night trying to find documentation to support my theory this is my theory Ah. that juicy fruit gum got its flavor inspired by the jackfruit. <laughs> okay. But I couldn't find anything concrete because they Wrigley is still keeping it secret. It's their trade oh. secret. Oh, of course. Yeah, and after all of that crazy latex, the payoff was the payoff was good. This That's definitely it. sounds like something I would love to try as long as someone else prepares it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If someone just yeah. put the fruit on a little plate and gave it to me and I just ate it with a fork, sounds good. I, I will pay the premium. <laughs> you don't want to cover yourself in cooking oil? <laughs> I mean, not... Well, I mean, I already do once a day for other purposes, so I, mean, yeah, yeah, I don't want to... Yeah. I just yeah. the cooking oil bills are already oh. so yeah. high. Yeah, we're on such already, a tight budget. Yeah. I would describe. I think that in terms of fruit flavors that we know, it's kind of a cross between uh, tasting like a like a banana and a pineapple, mm. okay. like a tart banana, but like juicy Tropical. fruit. Gum. Well, I'm glad you warned me about because like I've definitely heard of the jackfruit and I might have been inclined to try it <laughs> without knowing what I was getting just into. Opening it, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just biting into it. Imagine, like an idiot. Yeah. Imagine you, <laughs> Colin, no. Imagine no internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What if I didn't get this information and the house would have been covered with a, <laughs> it's like Spider-Man webs, you know, everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Because you would have gotten it open. Be some sort of a, a defense mechanism, right? Yeah. For the animals to come and Yeah, if you bite, if you bite into it once, you're probably not going to bite into it a second yeah. time. Oh, like, oh this yeah. is too yeah. much trouble and very, very strange. So, <laughs> so good job, me and my mom. 
and dial up internet. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Jack Fruit's yeah. website. <laughs> we successfully defeated the Jackfruit. Okay. Plants are not my forte. Uh, I know basically nothing about them. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking about, so I made a joke about uh, we were at the uh, local produce market and there were tomatillos. And I said, I said, well, some of these tomatillos are threatening to grow up into like real tomatoes someday. Because like there were these tomatillos that were so huge that they burst through the sort of outer papery part. Part, you know, and it was just this tiny little vestigial paper hanging there. And that's, you know, we were and in they're the... they're essentially tomatoes. We were in they the cheapo like produce market. Tomatoes. Well, that's the thing. So I said this, and then my fiance Regina says, well, actually, they're they're not as closely related to tomatoes as they are related to Cape Gooseberry, which oh. actually does look a lot like a, a tomatillo. As it turns out, they're all part of the nightshade family, she said. Mm. You know, uh, so, you know, potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants, uh, the tobacco right. plant, things bell like peppers, that. Bell peppers, right? Uh, bell peppers. They're all part of the larger family of nightshade. And so when I heard that, I'm like, oh yeah nightshade like you know the poison that they'd use in you know in history times right yeah. so i started thinking about what is this family of plants what is the actual poison remember how people used to think potatoes were poisonous right. or tomatoes yeah yeah, right. yeah well they were well the leaves and they the are. leaves are yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um so the active like chemicals that are that are working here are things like um solanine atropine things of of that nature that are actually used uh, they, they do actually have uses right solanine is the chemical that actually makes potatoes potatoes poisonous so when a potato gets all green and right. you know bitter that is super, that is poisonous people don't really get poisoned by potatoes because when you eat a potato that has too much poison in it you spit it out because it tastes really gross so i mean there's you, <laughs> what you have that natural defense it? mechanism you might die so the actual plant that we're dealing with here when people talk about you know nightshade the poison is first of all it's known as deadly nightshade um, <laughs> oh good <laughs> and it's and it's, and it's uh, latin name is atropa belladonna um, oh, and so yeah. this is so this is the plant with little purple berries, and this is the joke from The Simpsons of Ralph Wiggum going, "I eat the purple berries; <laughs> yeah. they taste like burning." <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, don't go out and pick those purple berries that you can't identify. That they look like uh, little blueberries, but they're not blue; they're purple. Don't um, eat any berries you can't identify. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, people just didn't know. So I mean, like people would go out and pick all these berries and like make a pie out of them, and then they all uh. die. Hey, you know, right. don't eat the berries. And so, of course, they were used, people would use them as poison, sure. um, to, you know, if there was somebody they wanted to die. And they have like a, you know, Swedish sort of taste to them. You know, they uh, don't, it's not like a bitter green potato uh, that nobody would eat. Like, it's a, it's a you, gateway poison. You would eat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the name, um, Atropa Belladonna, fantastic name. Atropa comes from Atropos, who is one of the three Greek fates. And Atropos yeah. is the one that would cut the strings of your life, yeah. you know, oh. so like you would cut the string of your life and, you know, when it was time for you to die. Uh, Belladonna, of course, means beautiful lady. Beautiful, beautiful lady. lady. So named because Nightshade was actually used for cosmetic reasons. Um, oh. One of the effects of Nightshade poisoning was dilation of the pupils, which was <laughs> considered to be attractive during some days. No. So Parisian or Italian women would actually use a little bit of ah. Nightshade, just a little bit, just to make their pupils dilate uh, to make them more attractive and of course they were probably walking around not able to see straight uh, they probably <laughs> they probably had a headache belladonna goggles maybe help yeah. like make other people attractive <laughs> to you too goggles. nice um, you know goggles. beauty is pain and actually one of the compounds is scopolamine this is one of the other chemical compounds that in too high doses in nightshade will poison you 
Scopolamine is actually the compound that they use in seasickness patches. Oh. Um, I use those all the time. Yeah, the patches that you put on to deal with seasickness. Um, and you might say, so doesn't this thing have some ill effects? In fact, it does have, have ill effects. Um, oh, and again, no. more pronounced in children. So Karen, one of our friends from video game journalism is, of course, Andy Eddy, one of the elder statesmen of video game journalism. He was editing. He was he like he was writing reviews of 8-bit Nintendo games okay. back in the day, you know. And so he's been around for quite a while. And he actually appeared on, back when his, his children, who were about our age, were younger, they appeared on the People's Court because... They had purchased uh, seasickness patches for a trip at sea, and the instructions that said, do not put these on children, got lost. Mm. The pharmacist had forgotten to include them, and they sued the, the pharmacist. And so they used these on all of their kids. Then eight-year-old daughter, who had 24 hours of crazy hallucinations. <gasps> um, and, at, and at first, it was just like, Daddy, your hand is, why does your hand come off? You know, what? stuff like that. By about 3 a.m., it became the walls are made of spiders. Wow. Like, real, like, people used to use scopolamine as a hallucinogenic drug for fun, but they kind of stopped doing it because the hallucinations weren't fun. Good hallucinations. They were bad hallucinations because she put a seasickness patch on and they didn't know that you couldn't Uh, use it on children. Too high of a dosage. The dosage was so high that, yeah, adults were fine, but children suffered these side effects of this, of nightshade poisoning. Luckily, luckily, she did pitch a perfect game. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, it's... another thing that I found out was that scopolamine was uh, was used um, as one of the early pain relievers for childbirth. Uh, and it was called, mm. they called it uh, Twilight Sleep. And Twilight oh. Sleep was the name of this combination of morphine mm. and scopolamine. <laughs> and so it would, it would, the morphine would basically knock you out and the scopolamine would just sort of send you off on a, on a trip. And they, what's up? I'm just laughing because it's like, Oh, you thought this was painful? Well, take away the pain, but you're going to have crazy hallucinations. <laughs> no, actually, the, well, that's the thing. The combination of yeah. morphine and, and scopolamine, you know, using them both together was the innovation here because what actually happened is they would take them, pass out, wake up, baby. The thing is, women were not really happy with this because it disconnected them completely from the, the, from the childbirth. Sure. Like, I gave so birth they to would, a spider. I so remember somebody, that. There was, a, so there was a New York Times article about Twilight Sleep. This is, this is turn of the century. The controversy over Twilight Sleep. Is it a good idea or a bad idea? And one of the women was just like, you know, they gave me the drugs, and then the next thing I remember, I was thinking, huh, when am I going to have this baby? And the doctor comes in and is oh. like, here's your baby. And I'm like, oh. She's quoted in the New York Times as saying something to the effect of like, I guess I had it. I mean, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't prove to you that I had it, but I guess it's my baby, you know? And so... That is weird. pretty scandalous and weird. Yeah, yeah. But yes, there are, there are still um, the nightshade compounds that are isolated from, you know, the nightshade Are still being in use. super useful. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Amazing uses, yeah. So... Still on topic, but a little bit off topic. I'm going <laughs> to give you a quiz about characters that have plant names. Oh. Okay. Okay. Right. So uh, the first question. So not as intense or dark as... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it's not... There's no gruesomeness. <laughs> we'll see. We'll let it unfold. <laughs> she is the alter ego of Pamela Lillian Isley, a DC comic supervillainess who made her first appearance in 1966. <laughs> 
Poison Ivy. Yeah. Poison Ivy. <laughs> and so, which Batman movie does Poison Ivy um, appear in? Oh, oh. it was. Chris. I think it's Batman Forever. No. no is it, it Batman and Robin? Uh, yeah. Fourth one. It was yeah. one of the bad ones, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So bad. Batman yeah. and Robin colon too many villains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Batman and Robin colon nipples in the suit. <laughs> <laughs> it was Uma Thurman. It was the 1997 yes. version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a princess of Agrabah in the 1992 <laughs> Disney film. <laughs> <laughs> Jasmine. Yes. Jasmine. Okay, so for a bonus point, in 1993, the pop single for the soundtrack A Whole New World replaced Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You in the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Who sang it? Who sang A Whole New World? Oh. It's Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson. No. Peebo Bryson is right. Oh, Peebo Bryson. Linda Rodstad. No. Oh. Wait. Peebo Bryson and. Regina Bell. Really? Yes. Huh. Though Beauty and the Beast was Peebo Bryson and Celine Dion. Ah. Her real name is Elizabeth Short, but reporters named her this when she was murdered in LA in 1947. <laughs> Colin. Is it the Black Dahlia? Yes. Yeah. And what American crime fiction writer published the neo-noir novel, The Black Dahlia, in 1987? Oh. It wasn't Elmore. Chris. I'm sorry. Uh, was it Dashiell Hammett? No. Nope. Oh. Was it, was it Elmore Leonard? No. Nope. Mm. It was James Elroy. Ah. Uh. Along with Blanche Devereaux, Dorothy Spornak, and Sophia <laughs> Anna, you telegraph these answers so much. Like, as soon as you start talking, we already know what the answer is. I know. I want you to fight. But I, I have, like, a bonus question. That makes all right, all right. And this is also for our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I want them to feel like winners, too. We're all doing a good job. Anyway. So, and Sophia Petrillo, this character appeared on a hit NBC show that aired between 1985 and 1992. Oh, I don't know who that is. Who is Rose Nyland? Yes. Oh! And what city was she from? What town? St. Olaf. Olaf. Do you know what state? Minnesota. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, Golden Girls expert Colin I'm Felton. Proud? <laughs> I know it was just in my brain, and I was Ro- like, "Wow!" Yeah. And of course, no, I know it's Ro- yeah, it's like fantastic Betty White. Okay, this is the titular character played by Warwick Davis in the 1988 mm-hmm. Ron Howard film. Willow. Yes. For a bonus point, this movie was directed by Ron Howard, but what sci-fi fantasy creator co-wrote and produced it? Oh, oh, it was. Uh... It was Lucas, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, George Lucas. Yeah. He is the star of The Great Mouse Detective. Karen. Basil. Yes. Oh. Oh, nice. Uh, so he, and he was named after an actor who was famous for playing Sherlock Holmes. Basil Rathbone? Yeah, Rathbone. Rathbone. Okay, uh, last question. This flower was named after a Greek mythological character who fell in love with his own reflection. Mm. Narcissus. Yes. But what was the name of the talkative mountain nymph who also fell in love with him? Oh. Ariadne? No, no, no. no. It was mountain oh, nymph who fell in love with Narcissus him. and... Uh, Calliope? I'll give you a hint. Yeah. She could only repeat the last words out of many... Oh, Echo. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's a good story. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Well, I want to go back to some poison talk. (laughs) This is the the Plants Are Weird episode. Yeah, this is is the Plants Will Kill You episode. Plants Will Kill You. But I do want to talk about a particular mushroom. And when you think of the the kind of quintessential wild mushroom from storybooks and stuff, how would you describe it? What do you picture? 
the like white white stalk, the red, red cap top. with the little white dots all over it. Exactly. Right. So that mushroom is it has a lot of names. There's fly amanita and fly mm-hmm. agaric, basically. Ah. Same hmm. same family, but that is what it, we believe as kind of the the most mushroom out of all mushrooms, right. the right. toadstool. The oh, original right. kind of Super Mario mushroom. These are poisonous. And yeah. they, they can be they can yeah. be deadly. <laughs> And there are some biological active uh, agents, a, a lot of them, and, and some of them are psychoactive and some of them are neurotoxins. And I think scientists have stated that a fatal dose is about 15 caps. Oh, okay. So you can eat All a right. lot of them. So you can eat a whole salad before you die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's interesting about this mushroom is it is very popular among reindeers. Okay. Reindeers what? go nuts for these mushrooms. Huh. And uh, let me let me kind of uh, uh, backtrack a little bit. They're the Sami people, S-A-M-I, mm. and they're indigenous people from the very, very northern oh, parts Lapland, of... Lapland, right? Yep, Lapland, Sweden, hmm. Norway, Finland, mm. very, very cold. The Sami traditions or the Lap traditions and beliefs are based on a lot of kind of a shamanistic spirituality. And they also have a great working relationship with reindeers that are also indigenous to those parts of the land. Very hardy animals and and very cute. Very, very cute. And they're used for dragging carriages, for riding, for everything. Mm -hmm. Delivering presents. Delivering presents, yes. (laughs) Having having lit up noses. Right. Way, 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 way back, there was a tradition where a lot of people noticed that the native reindeer Reindeers go bonkers over these mushrooms. Oh. These bright red, white spotted mushrooms. And these are the fly agaric mushrooms. And the deers even go hunting for them through the snow. Like they can spot oh, and they can smell. Out. Yeah, kind of like pigs and truffles. Huh. It's okay. like reindeers and these red, bright red mushrooms. So the reindeer are drug addicts. <laughs> yes. They, okay. Do they think they can fly? Is that oh, where it all comes that's from? That's where the red nose comes from. Oh, oh yeah. These are the reindeer games we've heard so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that Rudolph was not cool enough to join. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and because of the, the active and the, the drug compounds in these mushrooms, the reindeers are believed to basically get high mm. when they eat them. Hmm. Um, now, there isn't concrete evidence supporting if the chemical compounds in the mushroom actually affect them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there have been reports that they prance a lot more. Right. right. They like they really they like Doritos. <laughs> well, yeah. it's like catnip. I mean, it's like they, they're yeah. attracted to it for some reason. Yeah. There's yeah. something pleasurable. Could be the odor. Could okay. be. We don't know. What can be scientifically proven is that the reindeer urine <gasps> has drug-like chemical properties. Mm. So uh, back in the day. I think I see where this is going. Uh-huh. People oh, no. drank no. reindeer pee <laughs> oh. to get high. Oh. And they do. They they go into a trance. They they, they have mm-hmm. a trip. Wow. Mm-hmm. And a, perhaps even a vision. And it kind of coincides with their you know shaman beliefs ah. too. And so they would have tripping parties and would have people and reindeers trip together. It's <laughs> <laughs> drinking reindeer yeah, pee. Drinking reindeer pee. And and there are also reports that you know after humans who ingest a reindeer urine or affected reindeer urine, their urine still has drug compounds too. Whoa. And the reindeers would then... Sniff that out. Sniff that out <laughs> right. and, and, and eat the snow where people pee. As long it's as a beautiful... Oh my, it's, a, it's, a it's, a circle, it's a beautiful... The beautiful reindeer circle. eat the mushrooms and then we drink their pee and then we pee on the ground and the reindeer eat our pee. The circle <laughs> of life! It's beautiful. In its own way. So now if you were to eat the mushrooms, they would kill you. 
But so if you want to eat the mushrooms, just filter it through a reindeer first. Yes. Essentially... Yeah. It's the reindeer like Brita. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my takeaway. Yeah. The reindeer is your drug Brita. Yeah. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Well, we've talked a lot about plants that are injurious to animals or people or uh, other living things. I want to talk a little bit about plants that are kind of devious toward other plants. Ooh, <laughs> sneaky plants. Yeah, sneaky plants. So you guys, whether you've heard this term or not, you've definitely seen this. Have you guys heard of Kogun grass? C-O-G-O-N. Um, no. So I didn't know it by this name either, but it's a very tall, super hardy uh, grass, um, a reedy type grass, and it's native to Southeast Asia all over there. It's, uh, it's also known as Japanese blood grass. And now that, that, <laughs> that hints, is not a pretty name. That hints a little bit at, at some of its properties that it has. So th- these are extremely tough blades of grass on the Kogan grass, and they are lined with tiny, tiny little super sharp silica crystals along the edge like a like a saw blade almost and it it is a defense mechanism and if it can cut you it can draw blood it can draw blood as i say gotcha, that, I'll, cut you. I'll cut you man i'll do it <laughs> these blades that they can you know routinely two three four feet tall the grass um, up to 10 feet tall and the roots go super 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 deep so one of the things that it does is crowd out other plants basically suck all the uh, real estate away from uh-huh. them but here's the devious thing that it does is this grass loves fire and one of the ways that it <laughs> spreads is through fire. So it's oh. highly flammable, but it is very hardy. So a blaze can come through and sweep out a field of kogan grass. And because it's so far below the ground and so hardy, it'll regrow even stronger than before. But now it has no more competition because the fire has wiped out <laughs> all of the other yeah. flowers and grasses in the area and weeds. And it's it's particularly, you know, I mean, you can't really ascribe intentionality like a, to a plant. Yeah. But no. the behavior serves seems I don't evil. know. Like some it's an arsonist plants, or something. Right, some of the plants right. we've heard about in this episode, I think <laughs> I think they're thinking about ways to... So it spreads seeds by wind primarily. It can mm. also attach to animals. And so when it has right. a fire... Dude, this plant is our a-hole of the week. It is our plant. <laughs> it's our Thomas Edison. <laughs> so there are some varieties of this. Right. So it'll spread through wind and then the fire obviously will spread the seeds even further and it can take over. And so botanists, and they'll talk about it as if it's luring fire. Fire, as if it's almost 
grows into a field expecting fire to come and kind of clear out its path and make its way easier for uh, other plants. It's going to take over right. the world. So now surely, <laughs> scares me. surely you would think you, we would be crazy to plant this grass on purpose, right? I mean, it just sounds like an awful, awful thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's precisely what the U.S. government did in the 40s and 50s. So, you know, after you guys remember after the Dust Bowl, one of the major causes of the Dust Bowl was, was poor irrigation and poor planting. So there was nothing to hold the soil in. Mm. So if winds would come along, they'd blow all the soil away. So the government and farmers, well, you know, really trying to fight soil erosion in the southwestern United States and also really provide a lot of uh, land that livestock could graze on. So they got the great idea of like, well, this is a really fast growing, hardy grass. The roots are so deep, it won't erode. Oh, no. But the problem is, is that so, so a lot of uh, planted along freeways or in government, you know, sort of administered <laughs> areas for farming, it would take over and it comes in. And here's the, the other thing. So it was it was planted to be something that livestock could could graze on but it actually will cut up cows tongues and noses like they it's so oh so it's like captain crunch it's yes (laughs) crunch 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 face and and it has almost you know no nutritional value compared to a lot of other tall grasses that cattle do actually like to graze on that doesn't cut up their mouths so it's again like a lot of government decisions in hindsight it seems really short-sighted but it is extremely well embedded now in the u.s it's everywhere it's everywhere even though it's not indigenous here it's, it's not uncommon to see huge fields of it on fire even when it's green and it'll just come back even stronger after that like a boss fight in a video game <laughs> well it's, it's like, like oh fire and it comes out stronger yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly are people trying to are scientists trying to get rid of it they're well they're definitely they're not planting it anymore oh, cool. <laughs> kogan. kogan grass or, wow. or razor grass and it's related it's related to a lot of other grasses i mean like kentucky bluegrass is actually mm-hmm. uh, related to this type of very tough, rigid, razory grasses. Yeah, Kogan grass, a hole of a hole of the <laughs> yeah. It was also blood grass. You said Japanese blood grass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a witch's garden. Yeah, <laughs> like, man, corpse flowered blood grass. Yeah, I'm a little macabre today with my plants. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that's enough crazy plants talk. It's time for our final quiz segment and. Uh, I came up with this segment, and I have a, a couple lead-in questions first. Tim Westwood, very famous UK DJ, was the host of this show for the UK version, and rappers Fat Joe and Lil Jon were hosts of this show for the European version. In America, the host of this show is Exhibit. What show is this? Uh, it is, of course, Pimp My Ride. Yeah. Pimp My Pimp Ride. My ride. Yeah. Very ridiculous and over the top show, Pit My Ride. And, you know, the premise for for people who've missed this I wish popular it was phenomenon. It is. It is a great guilty pleasure. Young people with their own beat up cars uh, would get the VIP treatment and exhibit, and or, or Tim Westwood or Fat Joe would show up at their house and be like, we're going to pimp your ride we're gonna trick it up right and be all crazy and the thing is it's not just like oh i'll replace your windshield or i'll replace <laughs> no. your 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 fender or wh- whatever it is right basically a lot of these are customized to the extreme they're just ridiculous yeah. it is right. ridiculous like someone would a teenager would be really into surfing so they're like we're going to build you like a washer and dryer unit in <laughs> yeah. the back for all yeah. your wetsuits yeah. or whatever. And and these are some, I, I just made that up, but the, these are 
<laughs> I sounded familiar. Yeah. It doesn't sound that far yeah. off. Yeah. I, I was reading through the episode list. So there's a, a RAV4 that got rear-ended uh, so badly, it blew out the window and crushed the rear door. The, the owner of the car was like, oh, man, I'm never going to get chicks with this ride. <laughs> and so like, we're going to trick it out to be a giant chick magnet. And they painted the whole car like this sexy silver chrome color and has red leather interior but the crazy thing is other than a built-in drive-in movie theater that he can pop open in his trunk they also built him a chocolate fondue fountain (laughs) in his car Uh, (laughs) nice don't don't most people end up just selling these cars like as soon as the show is over? I because would, at that, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like just sell it to somebody, it's, get some money. It's funny because <laughs> how was... long is that fondue fountain in your car gonna really? I've been last? driving around forever trying it's to find just... a place that has diesel and fondue. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find postmortem stories of these cars, and I couldn't find a lot of verified ones. But there was a report from a German car magazine who went to West Coast Customs at that time. They did the, the, the most of the customs for Pimp My Ride, they found out, and this is from word of mouth, so we don't know if it's true or not, that all of the stuff is fake. What? So all of the custom stuff is is really just for TV. And, you know, all the functional units are only for TV. So we don't know if this hmm. chocolate fondue, he actually drove away with it and it still works. That is oh. not confirmed, but that is that is a report that they, they published Interesting. Hmm. in this German magazine. So, I feel kind of sad now, I have to say. <laughs> oh, I see. So basically, yeah. they fake the car and then they say, we're going to do all these things and they just sort of film it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they do give them a car with all those things, but it's not necessarily what you see on TV. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense to me. That makes yeah. sense. Just, just the, the, the rigors of television production right. and just how hard it is to... I'll give them a I pass guess. on that one. Uh-huh. I'm sure maybe driving around with a hot chocolate fondue might not be, you know, the safest thing to do. Yeah. So uh, that is kind of the lead-in to my quiz, and it, I'm going to call this quiz, Whose Ride Is It Anyways? Ah. Okay. So in... Throughout history, through uh, literature, movies, TV, songs, or whatnot, there are a lot of famous modes of transportation. So famous that they even have their own proper names. I like it. So I'm going to read out the famous writer or character or a person, and you have to name me their famous ride. The name of their famous ride. So for example, if I said Han Solo, you would say... Millennium Falcon. The Batmobile. (laughs) (laughs) I thought everybody was going to chime in for that. I was like, um, give me a moment. Is it a Pope-mobile? It's it's the Enterprise, right? (laughs) That's the right one. And here we go. Doctor Who. Dana. The TARDIS. TARDIS. And what does TARDIS stand for? Time and relative dimension in space. Very good. Yes. Bo and Luke Duke. Chris. Oh, the General Lee. <laughs> the General yeah. Lee. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> I like, blanked out for a second there. I know. So, yeah. General Lee. Captain Ahab. Oh, uh. Oh, I was going to say the Nautilus, but that's not right. Is that a Pequod? Correct. There we go. Mm-hmm. Who was captain of the Nautilus? Um, it was uh, <laughs> Captain Nemo. Captain, captain Nemo. Nemo. Correct. Yes. Gandalf the White. Oh, was... I, at first I was like, he rode a broom, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't ride Bill the Pony, right? That wasn't... Gandalf the White. Mm. Beautiful white oh, horse oh. to go with Pegasus. <sighs> <laughs> Shadow facts. Shadow facts. Oh, oh, okay, right. ah, it's in there somewhere. 
who is the, the, the I guess, the horse god of all horses. <laughs> Commander William Adama. <laughs> the Battlestar Galactica. Correct. In both incarnations. Oh, yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The pizza van? Um, <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, it's the... Uh, Splinter. It is a van. <laughs> Four turtles riding a rat. It they is a van. A, they had it a is van. A, the party wagon. The party <laughs> wagon. Oh my god. Yeah, there was a period there where every team was driving a van. Yeah. It was a more innocent time before vans were construed as just creepy. Actually, one of the other uh, Pimp My Ride episode uh, that, that really stood out was a van. A very beat up van that this kid had, uh, and I think it belonged to his grandmother, and she bought it in Vegas. So uh, somehow that was the theme <laughs> of of the customization for this van. It's like spray painted silver, <laughs> and it had a baby grand piano what? in the back in the van, along with a like a fold out roulette wheel. <laughs> So it's like you can relive your Brat Pack days. And I was like, this is so weird. And a chandelier. I'm sure that's a finely calibrated roulette wheel as well in the back of a van. And a piano in the back of the van. It's like, what are you going to do? Drive around? He has a casino. All right. Michael Knight. Colin. Kit. Yes. Stands for what? Knight Industries 2000. Very good. Whoa. Huh. That's a terrible Not to be confused (laughs) with the evil one, which was CAR, Uh K-A-R-R, which was the Knight Automated Roving Robot, which was the evil kit. I loved Knight Rider. (laughs) I loved that show. We can tell. (laughs) So that's one point for answering and minus one point for being a know-it-all. No, we encouraged you. I didn't know know Kit was with two Ts. And what kind of car was Kit? He was uh, he. Look at me. Uh, <laughs> he was uh, he was a loving, sensitive Pontiac yeah. Trans Am. Yeah. Yes, heavily modified, heavily <laughs> modified Pontiac Trans Am. And lastly, Paul Revere. Oh, what was his horse? Justice. <laughs> Is it in the rhyme? Is it in the Paul Revere rhyme? Like. Is it in the Beastie Boys rap? <laughs> no, that was the horse's name. And I don't know. I don't remember. What was his... So actually, technically, it wasn't his horse. And there's crazy historical <laughs> documents. Right. Note, document that it, that note that it never said he rode on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Not he didn't ride on his own horse. I, I think there were even documentation saying that he even didn't have a horse. Right. He was just on a horse. So the horse's name is believed to be Brown Beauty. Hmm. Brown huh. Beauty was the name of the horse he was on. His you, was his was in the shop for Pimp My Horse. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> they were putting on some disco I, well, balls. Yeah. Remember, he was a silversmith, so yeah. he probably could have pimped his horse better than anybody else. Actually, time. he True. also, I, I read his little bio, Paul Revere was also worked as a dentist. Oh. You know, Silversmith. In, in, those, in those days, <laughs> there was just, mechanic. You, you didn't have to get yeah. board certified for any of this stuff. Yeah, you could be five different jobs. I love, though, it was, it was like surveyor slash surgeon, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. silversmith yeah. slash dentist. Right. Uh, you know, quite frankly, those two jobs probably had a lot to do with yeah. each other. I yeah. guess you're right with the Although, fillings and whatnot. He yeah. prescribes a lot of silver fillings. Yeah, it's like, oh, toots going to need to come out of your I yeah. a silver one. <laughs> let me let me just call in my silversmith specialist. Walks in the door, walks Hello, back Paul. out the door. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. You didn't put He-Man Battle Cat in this? <laughs> he 
Throw me one. <laughs> that was good. Some. I like that. I like the famous rides. That famous was good. rides. Yeah. Whose ride is it anyway? Nice. And we have some recent sad news. Sad, sad news. Um, our, I guess, childhood hero, Donald J. Sobel, <laughs> creator and writer of Encyclopedia Brown, yeah. passed away recently, July 11th. And Those were such good books. I know. That was yeah. my first foray into mysteries, like mystery literature. I yeah. mean, granted, they're for little kids, but still. But it was, I mean. They stand up. They're still pretty good. For so many of us, it was our first exposure to, like, lateral thinking, logic puzzles, and, and you know, just how intriguing a mystery story could be, and yep. the pleasures of, of solving one, yeah. the pleasures of having that aha moment when you out smart the story and look to see and you were correct and i mean yeah and, like, and they didn't they, I, they didn't pander to kids i mean they were written for children but they fe- i always felt like oh i felt such a grown-up reading these things i felt so sophisticated sometimes yeah. i just flip to the back and read the solution cheater <laughs> yeah. of yeah. course yeah. they also yeah, of course yeah. introduced me as a kid even though i didn't know the name for it to the concept of the uh, Chekhov's gun where something something prominent that shows up in the first couple paragraphs of an encyclopedia brown story you learn pretty quickly yeah. uh... all right he, he mentioned that for a reason and I better pay attention. It took me a little while to notice that about it. Oh, it was just it was it was yeah. so great. Of course, when we when we learned that Donald J. Silwell had passed away at the uh, ripe old age of eighty seven, eighty seven, we were all sad to hear about that. And in tribute uh, to Donald <laughs> J. Sobel, um, <laughs> in good job brain fashion, we are sending him off with this, which uh, a little something we like to call the case of Encyclopedia Chew and the Scrumped Castorios. <laughs> <laughs> One bright morning in the pleasant all-American town of Berkeley, California, podcast host and girl detective Karen Chu awoke, ready for breakfast. Gee whiz, I can't wait to eat a delicious bowl of my favorite cereal, Castorios. They're made with only the finest secretions from the anal glands of beavers right here in good old U.S. of A. But then, Karen made a terrible discovery. Jumpin' Jehoshaphat! My Castorios are all gone! The crime of Grand Theft Serial has been committed in my pleasant all-American town! Karen soon spied three likely suspects and brought them in for questioning. Oh, golly, Karen. I didn't take your Castorios. I never eat perfectly round food. I only have Montreal bagels. I didn't shanghai your cereal. I only eat cereal that's in the shape of little pieces of fruit, so I was having tricks. It wasn't me, Karen. I swore off of cereal ever since that incident where Captain Crunch gave me a terrible case of Crunch Mouth. Willikers! I think you've given me enough to crack this case wide open. Who stole Karen's Castorios? Do you know? First, I thought it was that creepy narrator dude who follows me around. But then I realized something. Tricks used to be in shapes of tiny fruits, but the ones on the market today are round. Dana, you stole my Castorios. Aw shucks, you got me, girl detective. And now you're going to anal beaver jail. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! And And scene. The Good Job Brain Players present. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and that is our show. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, the listeners, for listening in. Hopefully you guys learned all the plants that you need to avoid. Yeah, don't eat those. As it turns out, pretty much all of them. Don't go out and eat 
plants. Just when in doubt, have a reindeer sample it first. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and then drink its pee. Invest in that reindeer filtration and system. And write in yeah. and tell us how it was. Yeah. <laughs> you can find our show on the Zoom Marketplace, on iTunes, uh, on Stitcher, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. Join us on Twitter and Facebook as well. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.